BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome in to the Arrowhead Addict Podcast with Matt Connor and Sterling Holmes. A lot to get into today. Uh, Jerick McKinnon re-signed. NFL draft here in Kansas City going through all of the picks. Uh, I was there on the ground, had a lot of fun. But before we get to all of that, we have a very, very special guest coming on. Super Bowl champion, two-time Pro Bowler, and NFL analyst on CBS, Trent Green. Trent Green. How you doing? Hey, what's going on, guys? It's uh, what an exciting time to be in Kansas City, right? For you know, winning the Super Bowl and then the draft coming to town. I mean, it's there's a lot going on, a lot of action here. <laughs> no, it doesn't suck. It, it doesn't suck <laughs> right. to be in Kansas City <laughs> in right now. It's absolutely outstanding. First and foremost, I just have to point out all the people that were so salty. Uh, on Twitter, talking about how the Chiefs shouldn't have talked about how they were the Super Bowl champions. I'm just sitting here going, how Charmin ultra soft can you be? Did you see any of that going around? That that was just bugging me. Uh, I, you know, I don't I don't pay a lot of attention to what uh, what what it's saying out there, uh, but but that makes no sense. I mean, why would why would the NFL not want to do what they did? Right? It's like you have the Super Bowl champ. You have the draft in their hometown. Let's showcase it. Let's showcase the fact that there have been five AFC championships in Kansas City. Let's showcase the fact that, uh, you know, we got Patrick Mahomes. We got Travis Kelsey. Bring them out on stage. We got Eric Stone Street. We got Heidi Gardner. Bring them out on stage. It's like, why Why would you want to hide that? You know, why, why would you want to, you know, oh, by the way, we're here with a team that hasn't made the playoffs in 20 years. No, that's not the case. You've got the Super Bowl champs. Let's talk about it. So I think it's a great thing. I think the fact that, uh, you know, the amount of fans that showed up on the Hill, uh, I think they could have had – I know they shut it off. I want to say it like 60,000 people. They could have had 200,000 people on that hill. They could have had 300,000 people. It's like uh, when, when I heard that, uh, you know, before the draft even started on Thursday night, that they had closed the gates because they were already at their limit. I was like, well, what did you expect? It's Kansas City. <laughs> I mean, this, this town loves football. So, um, you know, it wasn't shocking at all. Mm. 
Hey, Trent, I'd, I'd love to uh, obviously dive in. We're going to talk about a lot of things here. But, you know, the Chiefs, you just mentioned uh, the Super Bowl titles, the all there is to celebrate, seven consecutive AFC West. Every year we watch teams make their best moves. And each week we see, like, teams take their best shot. Obviously, you had a lot of success in the NFL, too. We're a part, you were a part of teams that also, you know, like, teams were, like, trying their best to, like, to be at their best when going against, you know, you and some of the teams that you were on to, can you talk, I'd love to get into that mindset of like trying to sustain success, trying to stay on top and taking those shots where a win against you is that much more meaningful than like maybe an average victory. Um, I, I guess I just wondered like from your perspective, what's it like to sort of take that shot and then come back again in that way and what does that mean for even the off-season approach? You know, here, here's the thing about it, and, and Coach Vermeil used to talk about it all the time. Uh, a number of head coaches that I was with talked about it all the time. It's 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 easy to get up for the big game, right? It's, uh, hey, we're on Monday night. We're the only team on. Hey, we're on Sunday night. We're the only game on. You know, hey, we're playing, uh, you know, for the Chief, from a Chiefs standpoint right now, we're playing the Bengals. We're playing the Bills. We're playing the Ravens. It's like, you know, hey, we got to get hyped up for this game. That's, it's not going to be a problem to do that. Coach Vermeil always used to bring up when you're playing the losing teams, you need to keep them losing. When you're playing a team that's like a 500 team, you need to show your superiority and beat that team. And then when you're playing the teams that are other teams that are above 500, like like the Chiefs are, you need to try and win all the games at home and split them on the road. So he had broken it down into categories about how you want to face it. You know, to your to your point, the mental part of it as a player, you know, the difference between the NFL and 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 what we're seeing in the NBA, right? How, how many how many seven, eight, six, five seeds? I mean, we're seeing the Lakers, we're seeing the Warriors, <laughs> you're seeing all these all these teams that kind of cruise through the playoffs or, or cruise through the regular season because they're like, listen, we're older players, we just want to get to the playoffs and get there. In the NFL, you don't have that luxury. They're, you know, it, it's hard to relax for any given week because every game carries so much importance because there's just not that many games. And so I think that, uh, you know, as players, that's, that's the hard part is, uh, is dialing in every week when you're, when you're facing a team, you know, let's say it's, it's week 12, you're facing a team that's three and eight, you're sitting at eight and three. It's like, you know, the coaches could come in and rah, rah, all you want. And (laughs) Hey, you know, let me show you these good plays that they did. And and these guys are going to give us their best ever. You just have to know you're going to get everybody's best shot every single week, and uh, and mentally you have to be ready for it, and uh, and you've got to somehow try and you know just just keep it rolling when you can because all of a sudden that game starts, momentum starts going one way or another, and you know the ball's bouncing one way or calls are going one way. It uh, it's easy to get off track, but uh, but I think that's the hardest part mentally when you're when you've been a dominant team like the Chiefs have. Having that focus week in and week out, Andy Reid's done a great job of keeping that. Having the veteran leadership like uh, Mahomes and Kelsey, Chris Jones, having that veteran leadership is there. Uh, The guys that work the hardest in meetings and in practice are also your leaders. So that's an important thing to have there as well. Um, But, yeah, it's it's a difficult thing to to, to have that focus week in and week out when you want to relax just to give your body a break. With a lot of kids realizing their hopes and dreams, you know, getting drafted, going from college to the NFL, what is the biggest transition? What's the hardest part of making that jump from college to the pros? 
Well, I think the number one thing uh, for me, the biggest thing was just speed over mm-hmm. overall speed. It, it's like, you know, yeah, you know, I went, I went to Indiana, I was in the big 10. So it's like, um, you know, you play the Michigans and you play the Ohio States and, and uh, Penn state wasn't quite in the big 10 when I was there. That tell you how long ago that was. So uh, you, you face some of these teams and you have, you know, these all American players and these guys are going to be first round picks, but it's not every single guy on the roster. So yeah, there's a few guys you have to focus on, but in the NFL, you have to understand that everybody's fast. Everybody's the combine warrior. Everybody's training to, for the verticals and the shuttle runs and all those kinds of things. Coaches, this is their only job. They don't have to worry about the student athlete getting to class and now you've got all the NIL stuff and everything else. It's like, listen, this is your job. If you want to keep your job, you better do your job. And so the responsibility falls on the players. And I, and I think uh, as a young player, that was probably the biggest transition for me is everybody's fast. It doesn't matter if it's a 330-pound, you know, defensive tackle or it's a 250-pound defensive end or a strong safety linebacker, whatever it may be, the speed is just a completely different level. Trent, we just came through draft weekend. You were an eighth-round pick, which is now no longer even available (laughs) for teams. Um, Coming through that time, it even seems like the pre-draft season itself has changed so much, like the level of interest like we have yeah. mock we have mock drafts now 6 months away from the actual draft that kind of thing i guess i just wonder like what was the pre-draft season like for you and what do you remember about sort of uh, your own expectations and emotions coming into your draft well that that's a great question because it is drastically different than uh, than what i went through you know guys now uh, when they sign with their agents or their agency or what whoever they're with they generally any of your guys uh, that are draft eligible end up going to uh, to workout facilities, whether that's in Texas, Florida, Arizona, wherever it may be, just somewhere warm where they can train. And they're, they're taking care of your diet. They're taking care of your workout routine. They're taking care of your stretching. They're getting you any kind of physical therapy. Uh, they're giving you um, sports psychology to work on the mental part. Uh, you're doing interviews with uh, – kind of mock interviews, like what you're expecting and what's going to happen as a coach. I hadn't, I had none of that. That, that wasn't, that wasn't like a thing um, back when I was coming out. It was, I remember my agent gave me a, uh, uh, gave me a tape or whatever and just said, Hey, these are the combine drills work on these for the next couple months and be ready to go when you get to Indianapolis. And uh, there was no, you know, Hey, we got to work on the way you present yourself to the media and we got to, you know, so when everybody talks that, you know, I, I love the, uh, the Tom Brady pick, right. Cause he's quite a few years younger than me. Any agent in the world that would have represented Tom Brady said, Hey, when you're standing there for your picture, don't stand in your gray shorts with your shoulders slumped and just kind of <laughs> act like that, you know, get your shoulders back, you know, kind of get your chest out, you know, kind of, kind of act like, that uh, that's one of my all time favorite picks because uh, because that was the reality of it. Then there was no coaching as to, Hey, how do you prepare? How do you, you know, how do you get ready for all this stuff? It was, you know, especially as a low round guy, like, you know, Tom was a sixth round. I was an eighth round, you know, it's, there, there really wasn't a lot of attention placed on that. Um, so guys are coming in, guys are coming in much more prepared now. 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. We got a really good question from Anthony. Thank you so much, Anthony, for the super chat. He goes, super great athlete to explain a championship and successful team. How did your offensive line compare to ours now? Also, he says, shout out to Priest Holmes. I mean, you had one of the, if not the greatest offensive lines of all time. How did that compare and any similarities to today's 2023 Chiefs iteration? Well, I, you know, I, I've made this argument many times over the years, and, and I think it's because we didn't have the team success that, uh, that they don't get the recognition. Uh, they, they've received a lot of individual recognition, as uh, you know, Willie Rofe and Will Shields are both in the Hall of Fame. Tony Gonzalez is in the Hall of Fame. Brian Waters is in the, uh, the Chiefs Hall of Fame, um, you know, on top of all the other awards that the, the other guys that I mentioned. So, I mean, it's a very well-decorated offensive line, but I think, I think nationally it doesn't get the attention that it does because you look at the Cowboys, you know, with Aikman and Irving and, and, uh, and Emmitt Smith, uh, that offensive line gets a lot of attention because they won a bunch. They won a bunch of Super Bowls. Um, you look at the Steelers, won four Super Bowls in the seventies. Um, they get a lot of attention because they won a bunch of Super Bowls. And yeah, their defense gets a lot of credit, but that offensive line and Franco Harris and Rocky Blyer, they get a lot of attention. Joe Montana, Roger Craig, that offensive line gets attention. But you know, I, I believe in my guys. If I had a way to like flip this camera around, uh, where I'm set up in my basement. <laughs> is uh, is kind of my chief's room. So I've got this one wall completely committed to my offensive lineman. I've got a huddle picture. I've got their jerseys wrapped around it, around that picture. Uh, I think the world of those guys. And, and uh, yeah, it was a good unit. Yes, it was, uh, uh, you know, Priest Holmes set NFL record. Uh, he had an NFL record. I want to say it was in 2002 that he set the NFL record for rushing touchdowns. Uh, we put up a lot of big numbers as an offense. We led the league in, in yardage, led the league in scoring. Uh, and as I said, we've got, uh, we've got three guys on that offense that are in the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. So uh, we put up some big stuff. I, I just, you know, without, without, those, without those Super Bowl rings and those trophies, it's, uh, you're not going to uh, get the national recognition. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll argue those guys. I'll argue those guys as, as long as you want to argue those guys. Cause I, I think they're the best like going off that really quickly. I, I always find it fun because for example, me, I'm 29. That's the team you, that offensive line. That's what I grew up watching. So that was the, that's the football I love. And we have this, yeah. um, we have this experience with the, again, probably the best offensive line of all time. That's what we grew up with. So that's what we strive to see. I always make this uh, comparison with Orlando Brown Jr. Orlando Brown Jr. had a fine year last year, but we here in Kansas City understand, sure, it was a fine year. That's not Will Shields. 
That's not Brian Water. That's not Willie Rove. We have such high expectations. Do you think at times having that great of an offensive line, sometimes we, I guess we appreciate what it is to have a great offensive line. We appreciate the nuances, but also we have such high expectations that sometimes we always want more, 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 especially in regards to the O-line. Well, I, I think there is a standard. You know, I, I think when you have uh, the history that the Chiefs have, have and has and has, I think I think there is a standard there. And uh, and and I want to take nothing away from Orlando Brown. I mean, what a phenomenal career he's had. He's, uh, you know, a Super Bowl champ. He's been an all pro, been a pro bowler, you know, but I, I'll take I'll take Willie Rope every time. <laughs> that's, that's my guy. That, I mean, that's my guy. So, um you know, I, I think when you when you look at that entire offensive line, my offensive line as a whole, um, compared to when you break down the pieces. Now, I think you know Creed Smith, Joe Tooney, Trey Smith. I mean, it's it's um, you know Wiley on the other side. I mean, it's that's that's a obviously they're Super Bowl champions, so uh, you can't take that away from them. I just uh, you know I'm biased. I, I like my guys. <laughs> Hey, Trent, you just talked about if you could turn the camera around, give us a tour of of that stuff. It made me wonder, like, what does that look like for you in terms of, like, keepsakes from the game, your own memorabilia? And and you said you have, like, a cheese room. Do you have, like, a lot of things, like, from those days? Are, 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 you, are you a collector from those days? Like, what does that look like, uh, you know, now that you're – You know, I – I, w- I wish I had done more of it. Uh, I had teammates at the time that were that were really good about it and 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 smarter than me. I just wanted to be in the <laughs> moment and enjoy the moment. Um, you know, guy, there were certain guys on the team that would, uh, you know, when we every game, it, whatever their star player was, hey, I want to get a a Brett Favre jersey or I want to get a Peyton Manning helmet or I want to get a whatever. And you kind of coordinate it with the equipment guys. So our equipment guys with their equipment guys or however you would coordinate it. Generally, if, if somebody came to you and said, hey, somebody from the other team, you know, wants you to sign this, you would do it, you know, before the game or after the game, whatever it may be. So there are some of my former teammates that have accumulated pictures, jerseys, helmets, all kinds of stuff that I was like, man. Now that I'm done, I was like, I always told my wife, I always told my wife, I was like, she's like, what, you know, maybe we should be doing that. And I was like, no, I just want to enjoy the moment. I would rather talk to Steve Young than to go to Steve Young and say, hey, could you sign this jersey? I, w- I would rather have that conversation. And so that doesn't, that doesn't you know, 30 years from now, that's not going to carry a lot of weight with, like, hey, I had, a, I had a conversation with Steve Young. But, you know, so I do have, I do, I, for me, it was always more valuable to have my teammates stuff. So I have this, like I said, I, and I wanted like game-worn stuff. So I have this offensive line wall over here um, that they signed this, this huddle picture, and then I got their game-worn jerseys. I've got Gonzalez and Dante Hall, and I'm sitting here looking. Kennison, T. Rich, uh, Priest. I mean, I, but I wanted their game-worn jerseys, and I wanted like a personalized thing. I don't have that from, from guys around the league. Now, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm, I'm not crazy. I, I mean, I have a Joe Montana – I, you know, I have a Steve Young, I have an Emmett Smith. I have some of that stuff, mm-hmm. but to be completely honest with you, and, and this is going to shock people, I don't, I don't have it out. I don't have it like displayed. I have my guys out. I was like, I, I you know, I, I've got a picture over here on the wall with, uh, with me and Dante and Priest and T and Gonzalez and stuff like that from a fundraiser that I just, it was just a cool picture to have. So um, for me, you know, I walk down here and whether I'm playing ping pong with my kids or whatever it may be, 
you know, when I'm in the room, it, it brings back some nostalgia for me. Now, the game balls and the Pro Bowl jerseys and stuff, that's in, that's in like a different area that, uh, you know, that, that people like seeing. Um, there's a football that I played catch with President Bush when he was uh, campaigning. He stopped by River Falls. Uh, he, he stopped by training camp. And, uh, and they're like, hey, we need you to play catch with the president. We're going to do some photo. I'm like, I just <laughs> – that's like the most nerve-wracking pass I ever threw in my life. You have all these uh, Secret Service people, right? They're like this. You know, no, they're kidding. They didn't have their, they didn't have their hands on their weapons at the time. But they were, they were like, okay, everybody hands out of your pockets, all this stuff. And it's like, okay, Trent, you're going to throw the ball to President Bush. He's going to throw it back to you. We're going to do some photos, that kind of thing. And the, the first thing is like, okay – Make sure you throw a spiral because there's all this there's all this stuff. And then the second thing is like, don't throw it too hard because if it goes through his hands and hits him in the face, that's gonna be like everywhere. And I'm like, okay, so I did this nice little. It was a spiral. He caught it right here. I was like, yes, is, yeah. So I've got a I've got a thing uh, a picture with him. I've got the actual football. Which if you're ever gonna send anything to the White House. Don't send anything in a box with a with a large item in it because <laughs> they did not think they did not find that very, they put a little note in there like hey next time just let us know it's a football and you're sending it don't send like this giant box to the president because of course they got it they deflated the ball they're like they inspected did the whole thing but he signed it he signed it got it back to me I have it in this display but uh, but yeah don't don't send a box to the president that's that 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 uh, it took a long time to get that back. <laughs> uh, life advice yeah. with Trent Green. That's yes. what we're yeah. do. Not just yeah. Chiefs advice. It's life yes. advice. I've always wondered. So you played for multiple teams. How different is the uh, each organization? How they're run? The GMs? Uh, your experience with them? How different are the real organizations? You know, there there really is a difference. Uh, and and I thought it was pretty telling this year when. Uh, you know, the players, uh, the players association released at the end of the season. Hey, this is what the players voted about our specific teams. And it was just random, uh, at large, um, anonymous voting. You know, this is what we think of our training facility. This is what we think of our coaching staff. This is what we think of our training staff. This is what we think of our athletic staff. This is what we think of our, our travel, our hotels, our, you know, they did that whole thing. Um, there is a difference, you know, there is a difference. It, It was, uh, pretty uh, shocking to me you know we when at the the time we would hear different teams like hey man that team allows every player to have their own have their own room well our team doesn't allow that and if you do allow that then you've got to pay for your own room as as opposed to having it And, and hey this team you know they have such and such on their their flights coming back you know so it is something at the time you know, there was no survey but it was you know guys around the league talked and especially when you're at the pro bowl or some national events you know, you would kind of compare and, and see what other people were doing. There really is a difference. Um, some teams are more are, are run more like a business. Um, some teams are more run more like a family. And uh, and and that's you know the Chiefs. When I when I got to Kansas City, uh, when I was in Washington for those for for, uh, for the four years with Jack Kent Cook and the Cook family prior to the Snyder's taking over. That was prior to me being there, or that was after me being there. You know, they would do the uh, the team barbecues. They would do the team functions, the team holiday parties. It was, you know, they wanted everybody to be there and be involved in it. And I think um, for me personally, 
uh, I always thought that was a better vibe. That was a better feel because people felt invested no matter what their role was as a player, as a staff member, as a coach, uh, whatever your, your position was in the organization. When you felt a part of it, it made you want to work that much harder. And uh, so, yeah, there is a difference. Um, like I said, there, there's some organizations that run it strictly as a business, just like a, you know, a Fortune 500. This is the way we do it. And don't, you know, I'm not looking to small talk and find out about your kids or anything else with your family. This is it. Show up to work, do your job. And, and, um, and that's fine. They're, they're, some of those organizations have had a great deal of success. I just know for me personally, I always enjoyed the organizations that, that were a little bit more of a family feel and, uh, and kind of felt everybody, you know, welcomed everybody in and, and, uh, and wanted to be involved with, uh, with the entire family, with the wife, the kids, everything. Um, I always enjoyed that part of it. I was so glad you brought up Dante earlier because, you know, just last week the Chiefs made the announcement that Dante was going to be inducted into the team's Hall of Fame. And I just wonder for you, you know, like as a fan, it was obviously electric. You know, they call him the human joystick because you just literally yes. feel like this guy could go in any direction at any time. He could do anything with a ball on any play. Yeah, exactly. I wonder. I wonder for you what it was like. Like when you have someone like that, you know, watching from your perspective, um, was it just as thrilling right there next to him on the field? And do you have some favorite, uh, like a favorite Dante Hall memory? You know, there, there, there's a bunch. Uh, Dante was a phenomenal player. You know, you got to remember, and a lot of people forget this. Uh, when he came out of college, he was a running back. He, we, uh, you know, Coach Vermeil and the staff, Carl Peterson, their, their staff, they, they sent him over to NFL Europe to work on being a receiver. He was already a returner, trying to find out if he could be a receiver. Um, so he's such a dynamic player. Uh, when I got here, when Al Saunders got here as offensive coordinator, it was like, okay, let's find a way to get the ball in his hands, whether we're lining him up at running back. Because you got to remember, when I came in that 2001 season, that was Priest's first year also. Priest came in as a free agent thinking – at the time, the thought was that he was going to be the third down back. Tony Richardson was going to be the first and second down back. Once we learned in about week four against Washington what we had in Priest Holmes, hey, T. Ritz, now you're going to be full-time fullback. Uh, uh, Priest, you're going to be the running back the whole time. And Dante, we're going to find like a hybrid role for you. So, um, you know, once you find all those things out, uh, so Dante Hall stories, just, uh, you know, very rarely in, in, in my career would I watch the returns, right? Would I watch the special teams? Because I'm focused on, hey, what my job is and what getting – I got to get with the linemen, I got to get with the receivers, got to get with the backs, got to figure out what it is we're going to do, and, hey, this is the plan of attack. Uh, generally, you just kind of look and say, okay, we're going to get the ball, gen you know, in this general area, right? But with him, you quickly realize that, you know, you better watch the whole thing. And there were some times you'd be like – no, 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 no. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It's like, wait a second. That goes against the rules, right? We all remember the, the, the punt return against Denver at Arrowhead. It's like, no, don't go backwards to catch the ball. And, and then, oh, and now you're running backwards even more. And then next thing you know, he's 90-some yards into the end zone. So it's a phenomenal player, very well-deserving. Uh, the way he grew as a player and as a person, you know, he didn't trust a lot of people in his life. He didn't, he didn't have the easiest upbringing in his life. And, and, and he's, he's not, I'm not sharing anything that he hasn't shared many times before, but his relationship with coach Vermeil and with Carol Vermeil 
really kind of transcends the football field and, and, and what they were able to do as a coach and a player and just building that trust and, and building that relationship and how it carried over to the field, that trust and that relationship. I think that speaks volumes to what Dante was able to accomplish because of that relationship with coach and Carol. And that continues to this day, but, uh, but just, I, I can't be more happy for a guy uh, because of, of the way he's grown as a, as a person and a player and, uh, and really happy for him. Do you have a favorite moment of your time here in Kansas City or something you're most proud about? What was your proudest moment here as a Kansas City Chief? Well, I, I think, you know, that's, a, that's six years, six seasons. Uh, we had a lot of success on the field. As I said, we, um, you know, we, we led the NFL in yards. We led the NFL in points. We set all kinds of different records and everything like that. I think, I think ultimately uh, all of our goal was to do what the current Chiefs are doing, right? You want to hand – at the time, you wanted to hand Lamar Hunt the Lamar Hunt trophy. We weren't able to get that done. We, we felt like we had a team to get that done on multiple occasions. We, we just, you know, things happen in football, good and bad, and, and uh, we weren't able to get it done. So as far as memorable games, memorable moments, uh, the game up in Green Bay where we're down 17, and I want to say that's still the, the largest fourth quarter comeback uh, in Lambeau history by a visiting team, I, I believe so. Uh, we were down 17 in the fourth quarter, came back, tied it up, ended up winning in overtime. That's always a memorable game. Uh, beating Favre and the Packers up there, down by that much. Uh, so that was that was pretty memorable. Uh, we had a Monday night game against uh, Baltimore in 2004. We didn't start the season off very well. We were coming off that big 2003 season where we finished 13-3. and And, you know, there were high expectations coming into that season. We didn't, we didn't start the season off very well. Lost some tough games early on. Baltimore, I want to say at the time, was either undefeated or, or maybe had lost one time. So that was like our offensive line against Ray Lewis and that defense. And, uh, and we took it to him. And, it, uh, and, and that was a lot of fun just because of the national attention and the way we stepped up on the national stage, uh, able to get it done. Uh, I'm going to go to 2005 uh, and not to kind of bring a somber mood to this, but 2005, my dad passed away right before, uh, right before Halloween. And, uh, and so going through the process of getting his funeral arranged and, and his burial and all those things and the team and the organization was tremendous in handling all that and flying me uh, right after he passed away. I, uh, I had to fly to, to San Diego. We played out there. We didn't win the game. Uh, but then the following week, we, after we buried him, uh, we had a game against the Raiders here and I'd hit a dump down pass to Larry Johnson. We got down to the one-yard line. We only had time for one more play. Coach Vermeule had called a timeout because that's the only timeout we had. And I got to the sideline, and he's like, well, what, you know, what, do, you want to, what do you want to do? And, uh, and I was like, we need, we need to go for the win. Why kick the field goal and go to overtime? Let's, you know, we're on the one-yard line. We got LJ. We got the best offensive line in football. You know, let's go for the win. And, and so that was an emotional day for me, for me and my family. Um, Beating the Raiders is always great. Uh, to beat them on the final play of the game um, made it even better. But, uh, yeah, so that, that's just three of them that, uh, that jumped to mind real quick. I love it. Hey, um, you mentioned Coach Vermeil earlier. Uh, mm -hmm. Just such a great guy. And, uh, like, ha have your relationship with him ever since your playing days, like, have you guys kept – did you guys keep close over the years? Like, like what's your relationship with him, like, been since your, since your playing days? 
Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. No, coach and I talk, uh, if we don't talk every other week, uh, it's, it's every week. <laughs> so, okay. um, we, we talk quite a bit. Uh, we've, I've gone on a, a hunting trip with he and his boys and I say his boys, but they're like my age. So it's <laughs> like, uh, you know, it's fun to do that. Um, you know, I've gotten to know his family. I know his kids. I know his grandkids. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a great relationship. You know, he's got his Vermeil wines. I'm a, I'm a very 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 small part of that. Just as another connection that we can have together. There's a couple of former players that are part of that with him. To uh, just it gives us it gives us a great opportunity to 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 get on a call or uh, or to get together and, and have a glass of wine. So uh, yeah, I've I've stayed uh, stayed very close to coach. Uh, there was a, you know, last summer he went in the hall of fame, pro football hall of fame. And, uh, there was a very unique opportunity that he provided me with. And, and he had told me beforehand, uh, that he had requested to the pro football hall of fame when they put the gold jacket on, on Friday night, generally it's one person over the history of the pro football hall of fame that comes up and puts the gold jacket on. And, and, that he he was going to have Carol. He was going to have his wife do it, and uh, and and rightfully so. And but he asked the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's like, listen, I want her to put the jacket on me, but I want my three quarterbacks there. I want I want uh, you know Ron Jaworski, I want Kurt Warner, and I want Trent Green all on the stage with me. And at first they weren't they weren't going to. They're like, well, we've never allowed that. We've never had that happen before. And he goes, well, there's always a first time for something. So uh, so. I got to commend the NFL and the Pro Football Hall of Fame for allowing uh, us to do that. Um, we had some great pictures, some great moments. Uh, being up there with him and and watching Carol up close and personal, and you know the hug and the embrace that he gave me, Jaws and, and Kurt after getting his jacket. Um, you know, it's it's one of those moments you'll never forget. I'll ne- I'll never forget. Uh, fortunately, I have a bunch of pictures to commemorate it uh, afterwards. The ceremony. Uh, that we had to celebrate him, uh, his his post inauguration, um, you know, celebration. It was a bunch of UCLA guys, which I knew a bunch of um, because of over the years. Uh, the Eagles guys, which I got to know a bunch of over the years, just because being with, I was with them in two places in St. Louis and in Kansas City. So, uh, so having the Eagles, the Rams, and the Chiefs all a part of it, uh, and me being a part of two of those teams. And knowing a bunch of guys from the Eagles and the and the Bruins, uh, it was it was one of the most special weekends that uh, that I've ever experienced, and and, I, and I'll probably ever experience in my life. And and uh, he is still here. We are. It's it's almost been a year now, and he's sending out pictures. He's still he you know he's going the the thousands and thousands of pictures that were taken. He's uh, he just sent me a package the other day. I sent me a package the other day with with probably ten different photos in it. Um, of just he and I, or uh, my wife Julie and I, or Kurt and Brenda and my wife Julie, or uh, you know teammates uh, that I was with in in with the Rams or with the team. I mean, it's and he has done that and he's gone through that, and that just tells you the kind of person that he is, the type of coach that he is, the reason that players responded to him so well. He's taking. I mean, I don't know how many hours a day he is uh, has gone through that and send it out, uh, send it out envelopes and pictures to to guys that, uh, that were there and, and a special part of it. So, so that's a really, really long winded answer to your question, no, but scared. yes, uh, coach Vermeil and I have, have remained close. 
That's awesome. Uh, let's do some quick hitters where we go through a okay. list of things and we'll, we'll try and hit them quick. So that's your that's your way of telling me to shut up and just no, no, that's the no, you're good, you're good, you're it's, good. it's already yeah. on the show sheet, Trent. Okay, it's, it's already right. on the show sheet. It's not it's my all fault. Good. It's all uh, good. Who did you like beating more, Raiders, Broncos, Chargers? I liked beating the Raiders more. Uh, I I I was drafted by the Chargers. So that was always a tough one. I always wanted to beat them because I was like, not only did you draft me, but you were also the first team to cut me. So yeah. it's like I wanted, to, I wanted to beat them every time just because, hey, remember when you cut me? Uh, Denver, you know, I don't know. I just don't, you know, it's a division thing. I, I just didn't like Denver. But the Raiders, the reason I say the Raiders is because of the history. Uh, Al Davis, uh, Lamar Hunt, the AFL, the – just all the stuff that goes into it. Marty Schottenheimer uh, always used to talk about Raider Week. When I got here, you know, it was after Marty, and and they still would say, oh, it's Raider Week. It's ra-. I mean, there there's a long history with the Raiders, and so I took a lot of pride in the fact that uh, I want to say, I want to say it was like seven or eight straight games we beat them for me to end out my my tenure here with the, uh, with the Chiefs. So, um, yeah, that was fun. That was fun. I, I would say of, of those, I would say the Raiders, just because of the history. Uh, let's start a fight in the chat. Uh, what is your favorite barbecue spot in Kansas City? So I, I'm not going to say one because I live here and I like them and I like them all. Uh, and I'm not looking for any fights. Uh, Q30, Q, I'm a big fan of Q39. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Joe's KC. Uh, Joe's is about a half mile from my house. So that's good. And then, uh, and then also um, Jack Stack. So when I first moved to Kansas City, the Jack Stack in Martin City was about a mile from my house. And so that's all we knew at that point in time. And then I've kind of expanded out. So Joe's and Q39, Q- Q39 is, uh, yeah, they've, they've, got, they've got a ton of great food, not, not just their barbecue. I, you know, this is going to be weird to say, but they've got, this, they've got this salmon that they do there, this barbecue salmon mm-hmm. at Q39 that is, uh, that is lights out. So those are, those are my top three. I'll, ju- I'll just go with that. Uh, which rookie quarterback that was drafted this year will have the best NFL career? We're putting in the spot right now. We're putting you on the spot. You got to make it on May yeah. Snacket. <laughs> the best NFL career. So uh, is that going to be Akili Smith, Josh Rosen, who uh, uh, Ryan Leaf, uh, all those high draft picks in the first round? I'm like, wait a second. I was like, you don't know. I, I you know, so when whenever it puts out the draft grades, I was like, I, I tell people all the time. I told I told some people today. Come back to me in three years. I'll tell you what the grade is for the draft. It's like it's like you know. Um, so to answer your question. Uh, I would think the, the, the one, you know, Bryce Young seems like he's in a, a great position. Uh, I really like Frank Reich. Uh, I know the size thing is a factor for Bryce Young. So in the NFL, everybody's gigantic. Everybody's really fast. It's hard to stay healthy when you're, when you're getting beat. When you're, I mean, that was like a I, – I would force myself to – for my entire career – I force myself to eat multiple times a day just to maintain my weight. And I would work out harder than I, than I ever wanted to. But I was just like, you know, there's a certain amount. If you want to be able to last for a full season, I mean, you just have to do that depending on your body type, depending on your body type. But everything uh, I've heard from Bryce Young. Now, if you look at size and stature and those kinds of things, then, then CJ Stroud looks like he's the guy just because he's got the size and the build and everything else. But I would say, Based on what we've seen in college, what they've been able to do, Bryce Young jumps out to me as somebody 
uh, and the system that he's going in can have some success. When it comes to Andy Reid, what does it take for him to get officially in the conversation of greatest head coach of all time? Feels like he's inching his way there because the knock against him was couldn't win the big game. Well, then he won the big game and then he won another one. He's obviously been on the forefront of changing the game offensively, especially around the NFL. I mean, you look around, his fingerprints are littered over what all these teams do now. Where, where is he in your pantheon of all-time head coaches? This, this is really hard. This is, this is difficult. This is like saying, okay, who's the best quarterback of all time? Um, you know, I've got, a, I, I've got a great deal of respect uh, for the players and the coaches that have been in this league. I, I tell people all the time, prior to being a player, prior to being a broadcaster, I was a fan. So I, I've been a fan since I can remember. I mean, I was the little kid sneaking out, you know, sneaking out of my bedroom and, and sneaking down the stairs so I could watch the halftime highlights on Monday Night Football because that was the only highlights you could see. So it was like, you know, I've been a fan of this forever. So uh, I think you got to put Andy – I think you have to put him in the top four or five. I mean, you've got him, you know, to, to sit here and build Belichick. I mean, it's hard when you have the amount of Super Bowls and championships and things that Belichick has done, the playoff wins, all those things, you know, it's, it's hard to not have him at the top. You know, you, you've got, uh, you've got Hallis, um, Don Shula, you got Landry, you got Chuck Knoll. I mean, it's like, you're, I mean, it's like, when you start talking about names like that, uh, I mean, that's to, to even be mentioned in that company is, is phenomenal. So I don't know where the pecking order is. I know he wants to keep coaching. He's enjoying coaching. It's hard to not enjoy coaching when you could just make up all this craziness and you've got a quarterback that can do it and you've got talent around that can do it. Uh, it's not easy to do as he can attest. He had good years and bad years in Philadelphia. He's been able to put a run of success here. In Kansas City, Brett Veach is doing a good job. John Dorsey before him did a great job. It's, uh, you know, it's just a lot of fun for him. So where he ends up from a number standpoint, I know he's chasing all those guys, Shula and Hallis, and, and uh, you know, it's, it, it's hard to say. But when you're in that conversation, I mean, you're talking icons of this game. So um, I think he would be happy even being mentioned with those guys. Hey, Trent, we talked so much about your playing career. Um and you know, reflecting on that, or asking you about the present, but but I, I want to ask you about your broadcasting career here, and and yeah. and specifically about the challenges. Like, it, you know, maybe it would be different for someone who was like, "I'm a broadcasting major. I worked my way up. <laughs> right. I can now I can now come into the game and offer all my perspective without all of the relationships and the you know, like I, I wonder for you, like you've been in these locker rooms, you have all these. Right different relationships, maybe people you love and maybe some not so much. And like, but having to remove yourself from that and try to offer some sort of, you know, removed perspective and to be this neutral party that people are counting on to deliver, uh, you know, the game to them in that way. Like, was that a bigger challenge at first? Does that remain a challenge today? Uh, I guess I just wondered, like, as you flipped the switch and, and made that, you know, he- heading into that, like, what has that been sticky for you? You know, it's, uh, it, and that's a great question. I, you know, I, w- I was a business major at Indiana. I thought I'd get into the business world. Um, you know, just being in front of the camera as a quarterback since I was in high school, it just became a natural thing. Uh, I had some opportunities early in my career uh, in the NFL to do some TV work, and, and I enjoyed it. Uh, as I got further in my career, I had more opportunities during the bye week here with Kansas City. 
Uh, CBS offered me the NFL Today, uh, kind of a guest appearance on that. I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, NFL Network, when I was still playing, had me cover the playoffs. So I was like a sideline reporter, uh, which was a lot of fun. It was, uh, you know, one of my former teammates and great friends, Lawrence Tynes, who lives here in Kansas City, kicked the game winner against the Packers uh, in that frozen ice game uh, in Favre's last game as a Packer. Uh, and I got to interview him in the locker room after winning the NFC Championship game on that phenomenal kick. So there have been, there have been some great moments. I did. I, I knew nothing about what I was doing, by the way. I was just like, <laughs> okay, I think I have an idea. I don't know if I have an idea. I got I, when I retired, and and now that I look back on it, it was probably a mistake of mine not to get an agent. But when I retired, I had made enough connections through our different production meetings and through the different people I had met, whether through CBS, ESPN, uh, NFL Network, whatever it may be. Uh, Fox. I just started calling like business cards from people that had given me stuff. Hey, what do you think? Do you think I could do this? Do you think I could, can I try this? Can I, you know? And so my first couple of years, I just kind of pieced together. Uh, there was no, the broadcast boot camp, which is now something that, that they have players do that uh, kind of opens that window for them. Uh, I didn't do any of that. I, you know, it was, I think maybe it was around the last couple of years I was in the league, but I was kind of far enough past that. I was like, okay, I, I don't, I want to go do something else. And so, so yeah, so I just started calling people in my first couple of years. I did I, my first year out, I did uh, six or seven games for Fox. I worked for NFL network doing total access. My second year, I didn't do games for Fox because I didn't like working on the weekends because my kids were still young and I wanted to coach their teams and be a part of their games and be a part of that. So I did NFL network during the week. And then uh, Westwood One came along and was like, hey, the, the, the NFL's doing doing Thursday night NFL games. Do you want to do – they only do six or seven. I was like, yeah, I'll give that a try. I don't know anything about radio, but I'll give it a try. <laughs> and uh, so I did that. I, I fell in love with it because Ian Eagle was my partner. Uh, Ian Eagle's uh, famous at CBS. He's taken over for Jim Nance for college basketball, does the NBA, does the NFL. Um, so I did four years with Ian at Westwood One. Um, and I thought it was kind of in, I, you know, I, my kids were at an age, I wanted to do all their stuff on the weekends. Then, you know, Dan Deardorff retired at CBS and CBS called and said, Hey, what do you think about this? And, and, uh, so it just, it just worked out. I'm, I just finished my ninth year wow. with, uh, with CBS. So next year or, or this upcoming season will be season 10 with CBS. Hard to believe, but it's going to be season 15 with me as a broadcaster. Wow. Uh, and I played 15 years in the NFL. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a big milestone year for me that I'm I'm now going to have as many years broadcasting as I was as a player, which Man. is it just blows it just blows my mind because I that that was that was never part of the big picture of the plan, uh, but it's been great for me because it it keeps me close to the NFL, keeps me close to the players and coaches, allows me to do you know, kind of get my football fix, uh, but then ultimately allows me to be the dad and the husband that I want to be and that I envision myself being uh, way back when. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's been, it's, it's created a nice balance for me. Um, I love what I'm doing. Uh, I love being able to, uh, to be a part of my, you know, my kids and my, and my families. And, you know, I've watched, I didn't miss any high school games. I didn't miss any college games. Uh, my daughter has got a year left in high school, uh, but she's committed to the university of Cincinnati for volleyball. So, I'm going to be a well. I've been a volleyball dad for a number of years, but now I'm going to continue to be a volleyball dad. Just just finding that balance. So you know, it's it's been really good. The the, the broadcasting thing has been a great fit. I was uh, 
as I said, nine years at CBS, the first, first six years. Uh, I mentioned the four years I was with Ian Eagle at Westwood One. Then I was six years with Greg Gumbel. Uh, I can't say enough great things about Greg. What a, what a phenomenal person uh, and broadcaster and, and what he's done and accomplished in his career. And then, you know, I've had the last three years, you know, with Kevin Harlan. And, uh, and what can you say about Kevin? I mean, it's uh, multiple times he's been broadcaster of the year. Multiple times he's been in different Hall of Fames and um, – you know, now I, I I get a kick out of listening to the NBA playoffs. I'm like, yeah. I turn it on just to listen to Kevin. I'm not a huge I'm not a huge NBA guy. I like college basketball better, but I turn it on just to listen to Kevin because he gets me fired up. So uh, it's it's been a good run. Uh, before I let you go, I have a kind of funny story. It just kind of goes hand in hand with how good of a dude you really are. Uh, I used okay. to work at the golf course where you were a member at. And it was always fun having you come in. I remember one time, though, you you lost your phone on the golf cart when we had to put it back in the cart uh, cart cart barn. Sorry. And I was the guy that uh, I had to try calling your phone. And of course, I kept your (laughs) phone number in my phone the rest of my life because, of course, I was showing all my friends at high school. Right. I have Trent Green's number. Uh, You can agree. I never called you, never texted you from then. But that always made me laugh, and you were always such a great guy then. It's crazy how it's come full circle for getting your clubs out one day uh, and now interviewing here. So the, the funny thing is, is now I know all the random people that have called me and texted me, it's because they got it from you. And I know that's not true because I've had, I've had plenty of people that will call and they're like, Hey, I worked at such and such restaurant and you left your number. I'm like, man, you can't be calling me. Yeah. So, uh, no, I'm just, I'm just giving you a hard time, but thank you for finding my phone. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. See, I found Trent Green's phone. I'm good for something. Good for yes. something. My guess uh, is at that time it was probably like a flip phone or something. It was probably oh, it definitely like a long was. time ago. <laughs> oh yeah, I had a little sand. You, know, I'm trying to do oh, yeah. nine, trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Super Bowl champion, two-time Pro Bowler, and NFL analyst on CBS, Trent Green. Trent, thank you so much for coming on here. All the memories. I know everyone in the chat, everyone in our Discord that we have. Uh, they love it. The, the comments have been rolling in. Everyone says you must have came into the NFL at 15 because 15 <laughs> in the NFL and 15 at CBS, no chance your day over 45. But right. really appreciate you coming on, man. Why? Hey, it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. We'll, ha- we'll have to do it again. Thanks, man. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Trent. All right. Take care, guys. Before we get out of here, uh, Matt, let's go through at least a little bit of the NFL draft. I know we don't have a ton of time left. Trent Green was just incredible. I mean, that was yeah even better than I expected. What a I great mean, guy. You always expect great interviews, but yeah. that was incredible. Yeah. Incredible. What, what a great guy. I mean, like I, I'm older than you, so it wasn't my childhood iteration, but it was my – now I'm firmly in adulthood and watching this team every week. And then, you know, like him with the, with the offensive line, Priest – I mean – all you got to do is say all their first names, you know, uh, Willie, Priest, Dante, Trent, you know, like it was just, you're like, yeah, those are my chiefs. And, and uh, it's, it's still great to see him doing what he does in the broadcast booth. So close to the, I, 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 it warms my heart to think that all those guys are still getting together. Vermeil with all the guys. It, it, it was always great to root for them. And I love that. There's still a great camaraderie there. 
Yeah, we went from supposed to have him on for a half hour to 50 minutes. So that's just how much we enjoyed having him on here. It was just love Trent Green. That was the guy who I grew up with watching that 13 and three season got me into football uh, coming full circle here. So that's uh, it's a dream. But I want to talk a little bit about the NFL draft before we get out of here. I know, you know, we're talking about on Wednesday. We talked about it Sunday when Patrick broke into my house. Uh, and I walked down in a robe <laughs> drinking a beer and he's just down there. But I want to talk to you. What was your main takeaway from the 2023 NFL draft for the Kansas City Chiefs? And do you have a favorite pick at all? Boy, you know, I I uh, I said that right after the draft. I, I think it's a sturdy draft. I, I think that's what it does. I think it I think it shores up the skeleton that that comprises the team. It strengthens areas of needs. You know, it, it's sort of like that, almost like a workman-like sort of draft or whatever, and and that's how it appeared to me. I don't, I don't know if you saw some of the reports that have come out since the draft about guys that the Chiefs are reportedly like been chasing. Uh, you know, Jordan Rainin from the uh, from ESPN, who covers the Giants, said the Chiefs were trying to trade up to get Deontay Banks, mm-hmm. a cornerback. Then you know, like, and then two picks later, you know, earlier the report from Dallas was that they were trying to go up and get Mozzie Smith right the the defensive tackle from Michigan and so like knowing that there's I think there's a sense in some fans of like oh it was good but we didn't like fully get to do all that we wanted to do but like leading up to the draft if you would have said hey we're going to get a replacement for Frank we're going to get a replacement for Juju we're going to get real competition and maybe a replacement for Wiley um like there at those three spots you'd be like Okay, that's what I needed to hear. Like, like other than that, you wouldn't have had a lot more maybe demands or hopes. Yeah. And so to me, it's like a, yeah, it, it's it's there's nothing fancy here, but I I like what they did. Um, and you know, time will time will tell. But if you know, if we get three starters out of this, that's a good draft for a Super Bowl club. Yeah. Uh, obviously, time's going to tell. So we're doing these predictions again on May 2nd. I like to always preface that. I understand sure. y- these grades are a little bit nonsensical, but we're working with what we have. Um, I know I joked around, is it Brett Veach or Brett Reach? Because when you look at where the consensus draft boards were at, uh, he pretty much drafted dudes, you know, a, a round or two before a lot of them were supposed to go. But also, we also knew after the first round, the first 20 dudes, it was going to be absolute chaos. It was so difficult in this particular draft. He went out and got his guys. Uh, Rasheed Rice, I understand the separation concerns. Fair or unfair to him, he is going to be – tabbed to the guys who were drafted after him, Cedric Tillman, Jalen Hyatt, just the way McCole Hardman was tabbed to DK Metcalf, right? Just the way Sky Moore has been tabbed with George Pickens. That's the way it's going to go. So fair or not, uh, Rasheed Rice is going to have that pressure on him. But I like the fact that he had the production in college. I always prefer that. I, I get so sick and tired of talking about, well, look at the potential of this guy. What, what could he become? If he didn't dominate in college, how do I expect him to dominate in the NFL? Like Rasheed Rice dominated in college. Sure, the separation wasn't great. I get that. But the highest yards per game in the FBS last year, third highest receiving yards in the the, uh, NCAA FBS last year, that's huge. That is absolute production. That is domination. Separation or not, that means he gets the ball in his hands. But my favorite pick, Wanya Morris. Wanya Morris, I'm very excited about. A five-star recruit coming out of high school. Then uh, he was a all freshman or all SEC freshman, right? At left tackle, 
at left tackle. He played in three different systems, one at Tennessee, then he went to Oklahoma. Oklahoma, he had Lincoln Riley for a year, and then Lincoln Riley left. So then one more year, he had a sort of down year last year, right? But this is a guy who was a five-star recruit. He did it his first year at Tennessee, been in three different systems. Get him with Andy Heck. Wanya Morris is someone I'm very excited about, and he's the athletic type. We're not talking about the the mall or the Orlando Brown Jr. type. We're talking about a guy who uh, is very athletic. That gets me excited. Yeah, let, let's not forget what this tells us about Lucas Niang, though, too, right? If Lucas Niang really weren't coming along as well as Andy Reid says that he is, if they were just doing lip service there, then even the names that the Chiefs didn't get you would hear about would be offensive tackles. But we're not. We, like, we weren't hearing stories of the Chiefs tried and failed to get Broderick Jones, tried and failed to get Anton Harrison. They had a chance to get Matthew Bergeron late in the first. They didn't. They had a chance to grab like Blake Freeland from BYU. Um, they didn't. They allowed two picks to go by. Then they grabbed a guy who could vie for swing tackle and competition for a tackle spot. That lets me know that not only do you like, not only do you like Morris – but we can also like Niang and remember he's still, he's only, he's a third year rookie. Now he's got two full years on his rookie deal. So I wouldn't overlook that as we enter like OTAs and watch that competition start to unveil itself. Yeah. Uh, Just one final tidbit from this draft. A lot of the sources I've talked to, and now it's starting to come out more as well. The Chiefs did try trading up into the first round multiple times, not just the one that was kind of reported that they wanted Maisie Smith or Mozzie Smith, that that trade with the Cowboys at 26 and the Cowboys decided to take him. I, I now have people who've been telling me, yeah, it's been multiple times that Chiefs are trying to trade up. They just couldn't get it. Teams are basically telling them to kick rocks. Yeah, No one wanted to trade with the yeah. Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, and then we heard from Brett Veach, obviously, trying to trade back. They didn't want to get cute. Was FAU going to be there at 35? Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe they can only get to the mid-40s, which is what Brett Veach was saying. FAU is going to be gone at that point. I will also point out what a day for Felix and Yudiki Uzama. That yeah. dude was down in Kansas City at the plaza at Jack Stack with Rally House. He was hanging out with fans. He was taking pictures, just chilling. Then it goes to the draft, hangs out, walks in the crowd, doesn't get recognized, then gets drafted by his team that he grew up watching, yeah. watching Matt Castle, the quarterback actually after Trent Green. That's who he was watching. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, what a story for FAU. I, I was joking saying uh, he can get married, but I don't know how that day tops his Thursday. <laughs> you know what I love about him too is what like a couple days later, he's making the rounds in a children's wing of a hospital, uh, signing autographs, taking pictures, being a positive presence there. You know, look, Brett Veach said it. I'll, I'll, I'll just agree with him. George Karloftis Having having FAU around uh, both on early rookie deals, growing together with Joe Cullen, I think we're going to like what these two offer uh, on the outsides as they grow together. And then, of course, if they do anything to free up Chris Jones more um, than before, like that's that's just a wonderful thing. So yeah, I, I like the pick. I I I, I don't. Um, you know, we're all rooting for our guys. But again, they got three good players at three big positions of need. You know, you yeah. can't slam a draft like that. You just can't. Yeah. 
Uh, and everyone listening, if you want to do us a big favor, if you want to help us continue getting great guests, uh, if you want to go to DraftKings and use promo code Arrowhead, if you bet $5 on any sport, you get 150 back in bonus bets instantly, win or lose. That's promo code Arrowhead at DraftKings. New customers only, 21 plus and physically present in Kansas. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Valid one offer per customer. Minimum $5 deposit and $5 wage required. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets and expire seven days after being awarded. See full terms at DraftKings.com. Before we get out of here, uh, I guess we're going to do our must list. Are we doing our must list? Richard. Hey guys, thanks for uh, letting me uh, be the main actor with Trent Green. It was really cool of him to be my opener. Yeah, it's very surprising. Like, Fallout Boy got the first round of the NFL draft to be their opener, which I thought was a good get. But somehow, Richard getting Trent Green to be his yeah. opener. Even I don't better. know how you pulled it. That was really cool of him, too. So it, make sure you thank him. Call him on your secret you know, telephone number. Richard never fails to amaze me. I Like, I don't know how he does what he does. But, yeah, it's great. Thanks. All right, Richard, you go first, I guess. All right. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and recommend uh, a game I've been playing or replaying lately. It's called Vampire Survivors. Uh, it's five dollars. I mean, that, that's enough for me to just say it's a must because for five bucks you can get forty hours of content, which is what I've got. It's a fun little game, super simple. Anyone can play it. I could just hand it to somebody who's never played a game in like twenty years. I think Sterling could probably get this game and become a master at it. But it's uh, very fun. It's got like a really great way of giving you like little dopamine triggers every time you you get a point. It's rad. Vampire Survivors. That's my muscleless. Vampire survivors. You got it. Sterling, what about you? What do you what do you recommend in this week? Billy Strings. The musician Billy Strings. He's is that a, a is that a stripper name? Surprise <laughs> B string. Hey, I'm Billy Strings, guys. I'll bet Billy you are, Strings. Sterling. Yeah, I'll bet. And next up, Billy Strings. <laughs> uh no, uh he's a uh bluegrass uh musician, a young cat. Just a very talented country, real country uh, music uh, musician. And he actually, I think Post Malone came up and did something with him. Like he's very getting kind of famous now, especially like musicians, as far as musicians love Billy Strings. And he's a young cat, so it's pretty cool. I hope to see him sometime uh, soon. I'm actually going to Blink-182 this weekend, visiting Verderam, staying at his house. So I'm going to be bullied by him and his daughter. Can't wait for that. Dude, you got to give him a hug. Give him a big hug and just see how well that goes over. <laughs> Call him Billy Strings. Um, I don't have a must list. You know what I recommend this week? Trent Green. Trent Green yeah. as a guest. Uh, better than anything else I could have come up with is the fact that Trent Green is, uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys know him, but but you'd like him as a guest. He'd be great. Check mm. him out. Check him out, guys. Will do, Matt. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys so much for being so great in the chat. Even the Bills fan who's kind of being a little obnoxious. You know what? Thanks for giving us views. We do appreciate that. That's still a positive. Uh, everyone who listened and enjoyed Trent Green, thank you guys so much. Thanks for the super chats as well. Give if us a thumbs up. Yeah, give us a thumbs up. If you wouldn't mind subscribing as well or giving us a review of wherever you get your podcast, that'd be great. Uh, again, we're trying our hardest to get the best guest we possibly can for you guys. Uh, Trent Green obviously was phenomenal, went above and beyond even my expectations. So incredible to have him on. Uh, thanks to everyone in the Discord channel as well. Uh, really do appreciate it. For Richard, for Matt Connor, I am Sterling Holmes. This is the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. We are out.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.